transmitting high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is your host, Alpha Mike. Listening to episode number 94, Mongols MC, and why everybody's watching. It's an important episode because it's going to have layers of what's most important to all listeners, and that is our constitutional freedoms. But before we jump into that, how do you get in contact with us? Well, it's easy. It's Radio Cop Nation. Scroll down to the bottom, and of course, the icons pop up. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on um, everything else imaginable. What's the other name of that thing? Pillar, pillar, we're on pillar, and everything else. Social networking is okay, but soon I'm going to have an episode about that, how the end is near. The end is near to social networking. So now that we're about to celebrate the 4th of July, everybody's got their fireworks ready, and they're going to remember the freedoms that were given in this beautiful country. And regardless of the fact whether you're Democrat or Republican or just a plain old independent independent patriot, you are celebrating the efforts of many that have come before us. So it's always good to know. Now, um, recently... I, uh, well, it's not really recently. It was about a, a week before I transmitted this program. I got a uh, Father's Day uh, card in the mail. We don't do that anymore. That's the reason I'm talking about it today. Today, we're a society of posting to people that are dear to us little notices on Facebook, happy birthday. Or we send them some text, real bland, hope you enjoy your day. Or we'll maybe send them a YouTube comical happy birthday message or whatever have you. But my oldest and first princess sent me a birthday card. I was uh, out there cutting a yard. Mailman came in, said, well, let me see what's in there. And I discovered, I go, well, what is this? I looked at it, and I said, well, look who's sending me this. I wonder what this is. And it, and as, as I opened it, or I was about to open it, I go, well, it resembles a card, but it's not my birthday. What in the world could it be? And I opened it up, and of course, I was taken back by the birthday card. So I want to share that with you. So the birthday card reads... Happy Father's Day, Dad. Hope you have a great day. And I know we may not speak every day, but I always carry out the wisdom you have given me. They're all my day, all my days. Thanks for always accepting me and making time for me. Love your daughter. Uh, uh, November, we'll just call it that. Day, Dad. I'm so grateful, even though I'm grown now, you're still there for me with your love and words of advice whenever I need them. I'm so grateful 
to have you as my dad. It took me back, and the reason why this is old school. And my my oldest is uh, she's she's up there in age. I'm not going to mention age because she, she won't talk to me. But uh, we don't do that as a society anymore. Write out the card, fill out the name, put the person's name on it, lick the stamp, and send it. It means so much. So I thank my my number one princess, the love of my heart, for that birthday gift. It was it took me by surprise and I'm I'm happier and smarter because of it. All right, so let's get on with the leadership quote of the week. A leadership quote of the week is, a leader is best when the people barely know he exists, when his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will all say, we did it ourselves. Lao, ancient Chinese philosopher. The quiet leader. Sometimes we need quiet leaders, not to be so boastful and so egotistic about what they're doing. Sometimes it's always good to have a quiet leader in the background taking care of business, and that that's what a leader does. All right, so today's episode, we're back on a Wise Guy series, but instead of talking about the Italian mafia, we're going to transmit or transfer to the outlaws, MCs. They are, according to the government, organized crime. But the question that we have to pose today, is everybody in the group a member of this organized crime or are they a member of the club? That is very important, and it needs to be answered. And, of course, we're going to answer it today. So, let the circus begin. Mongols MC, established in 1969 by mostly veterans coming back from the Vietnam War. Of course, we know that during the Vietnam War, a lot of our veterans, as they came back, they were mistreated by our society in America, and they felt lost. As a result of that, a lot of them 
went to go find themselves, and their brotherhood was so strong that they networked and networked in clubs, and primarily motorcycle clubs were a part of that. The one percenter life, which comes from the adage that 99% of motorcyclists are law-abiding citizens, but 1% are not, and they're more of outlaw persuasion. Today we have to examine if it's still 1% or has that number grown as well. So they formulated their group together, and they call it the Mongols. They were lashing out, at maybe themselves, who knows what they were lashing out for, but they felt happy based on the freedom that they were receiving being part of this club. The club was formulated in Montebello, California. The motto of the organization is respect few, fear none. Today they boast a membership of 1,000 to 2,000 members, somewhere in between. They've gone from humble beginnings in California, in Southern California, to worldwide membership. And some of the membership that they have, we'll go ahead and read you the quite plentiful list that they have uh, 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 formed or created. So they've got chapters in the following countries, Australia, Canada, Denmark, Germany, Indonesia, Mexico, Malaysia, Singapore, Switzerland, Thailand, and, of course, the United States. Here in the United States, they have chapters in Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Florida, Idaho, Idaho, uh, Indiana, Missouri, Nevada, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Utah, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, and Virginia. That was a mouthful in itself. So from their humble beginnings in 1969, in California, in Southern California, they branch out, and today they're worldwide. But we're going to pause a little bit because during the Mongol growth, they have had a few speed bumps in the road. As a result of that, they've been indicted several times, their membership has, by the United States government and the Justice Department. The question is, is that indictment an individual indictment or is it an indictment against an entire club? So you might be saying to yourself, how can you indict an entire club? Well, here's another question for you. If the government were to indict an individual club, not a person, would that scare you? I mean, think about it. Let's just say something a little bit more more far-fetched. Some club that you belong to. It could be a bridge club. It could be a, um, a bowling club. And some people in that bowling club, for instance, might do things that uh, are against the law. But the government, instead of saying, we're going to prosecute the two criminal bowlers, they go, we're going to go out and just prosecute the entire club. So as bowlers, the bowling club, they have their own bowling shirts with their bowling logo. 
And the government now wants to go ahead and confiscate their bowling shirts and their bowling logo. And let's say a upstanding citizen in the community is also a club member to this bowling team, comes in with his bowling ball that day to practice, has committed no crime, but he's met at the door of the, of the bowling club, uh, the bowling pin, the bowling alley, and the law enforcement officers tell him, take off your uh, club membership shirt. It's illegal. It's got the logo on it, and you're not allowed to have it. Of course, if that would have happened to regular citizens in America, they would be outraged, screaming, and hollering. But it is happening here to this specific group. Recently, the government went after their official logo, all the jackets they wear that are called colors. And they've been trying to do this to government for over 10 years. Finally, they got a thumbs up and they filed a criminal indictment towards the entire organization saying that they were criminal in nature. The jury agreed, and the jury also agreed as part of that uh, court case that the logo instilled fear and kind of motivated for criminal behavior. So the government proceeded to seize the logo. It was strange. And I remember when that happened, not too really, let me talk about this, this is about three or four months ago. I posted it on Twitter, and I said that it was an outrage. Of course, some of our law enforcement brethren have something smart to say always for some for some for some reason they have, always have to be Monday morning quarterbacks but I wasn't defending the group I was defending the constitution because if the government can far reach with the story I just told you about the bowling ball club and they're doing it to these one percenter motorcycle club guys who's next and what's next so it's a little strange but let's back up a little bit because we got a lot to talk about their first well i don't know if he's the first president but he was one of their presidents was a guy by the name of roger penny also a a vietnam veteran um a lot of the guys in the beginning when they first formed in the 1969, they incorporated in the 1970s, were, of course, Vietnam veterans. A lot of them were white, but some of them were Mexican. Now, the, the premise of the group has always been said that because they were not allowed as members of the Hells Angels motorcycle gang because they were Mexicans, they went and formed their own group. Now, of course, we know this to be true because it's been given in testimony in court. And even one of their first members or founders, Jesse Ventura, which was the governor of Minnesota, like he says, and the the wrestler uh, from the WWF days, Jesse the Body, and Navy SEAL. 
he was one of the founders in the beginning as he was transitioning out of the SEALs. He had to burn some energy, and he hooked up with the group, and they formed the Mongols. He even you know, went on to do some interviews right after this case, showing people he had a membership card and how he was allowed to keep his jacket from the members, from the club itself. And although he wasn't active anymore, he did ride and so forth, and he supported them. So Jesse Ventura has always been known to do things that are a little bit outlandish and away from the ordinary pack. But here I had to agree with him. Not that the group is innocent, but more so is, wait a minute. If you convict this group today, then you're pretty much convicting Jesse Ventura, too. He was a crook and a criminal back in the 70s. And was that the premise that the group was founded under? So that was interesting in itself. So through Roger Penny, um, he led the organization, and they stayed small. They they stayed in Southern California. Of course, they were building their ranks. They might have got up to three, four hundred at the time. They were pleasantly, they were pleasant with themselves and their size. And um, then they had a new uh, president that took over right after they had their rumble fight war, whatever you want to call with the Hells Angels. Now, they had been feuding with the Hells Angels since the 70s because the Hells Angels, their jacket, on the bottom rocker of the colors on the back of the jacket, it says the state of California. So in the 70s, when the Mongols put on their rocker, on the bottom of um, bottom rocker, California, it, it, it stirred up a trouble between both groups, and the Hells Angels said you can't have it. Broke out in a war, this one shot that one, that one shot the other one, this one blew this one up. And after several years of that, they did arrive to some type of truce where the Mongols could keep the bottom rocker that said California. Of course, the Hells Angels would keep theirs that said California. But the the Hells Angels would leave South Carolina. California, Southern California, and they would move up to Northern California. They were up there already, but they would move any of the chapters that had South to North, and there would be a boundary. Well, shortly after the Mongols um, didn't like the boundaries, they wanted to put up a chapter in San Jose, California. Uh, the Hells Angels had a chapter there. There was, no, you can't do that. That's breaking our agreement. And next thing you know it, they're back at it again, shooting each other. And in McLaughlin, Nevada, at Harrow's Casino, they met. And, of course, we'll post that in the show notes. Big rumble broke out, shoot out in the middle of a casino with a bunch of them. And this little feud that they've had for many years prior now has been shown to the American public via the media and footage from security cameras at the Harrow Hotel. Right after that event in 2002, the Mongols decided to get a new leader. Roger Penny, the former leader that they had during the McLaughlin incident, was stabbed four times. 
and uh, he took a little rest and relaxation. And so the sergeant at arms at the time took advantage of that, and he became president. His name was Ruben Doc Cavallos, and his reign was from 2002 to 2008. In August of August 30th of 08, the Mongols officially voted him out bad. Out bad means, see, people think that you have to stay, and this happens also, it's happening in the mafia, and it always happens. A lot of people say it doesn't exist in the mafia. What are you talking about? Frank Costello retired. Hello? Hello? And that was 1957. He, he walked out. So uh, it does exist, but there's a good and a bad. So if you're out bad, that means any association uh, with that person from the group to the person is non-existent. In other words, excommunicate. Nobody, nobody will talk to you from the group. Any, any organizational things need to be given back to the group. Any tattoos or anything have to be removed or covered up. You're not allowed to wear them in public. Well, Doc Cavallo's, um, he made some huge mistakes. But one of the things he he did do was increase the membership of the organization. Now, he had a war with the Mexican mafia. What occurred was a little skirmish between some Mongols and some uh, Mexican mafia members that were doing a the Mexican mafia members were doing a little drug deal on some little motel somewhere, and the Mongols were staying there, and they saw the activity. They could read the writing on the wall, and they said, this is this is a, a drug deal. So they got into a little skirmish, a little word, war of words, and before you know it, somebody pulled out a gun, bang, bang, and one of the Mongols was dead. So the Mexican mafia... They, they, the way they summed it up, that whole incident, was it was perfectly fine. Cops came, arrested all our people and took all we had, including our money and our dope. So the way the, mafia, the Mexican mafias said it and told the Mongols, well, you owe us 10 grand. Well, Dr. Cavallo said, I'm not going to pay. So that sprung out um, a little ward there, too. So we got a little feud with the Hells Angels. We got a feud with the Mexican Mafia, better known as La M. This is not going good, folks. Mongols are still small in nature. So Doc Cavallo starts to increase the rank and file because he didn't have enough men. Just alone, the Hells Angels had about 3,000 members in, in worldwide, and, and therefore... They were dwarfing the Mongols. So he opened up the rank and file to gangbangers, some of them that didn't even know how to ride motorcycles. Now, let me get this straight. You join a motorcycle group, you don't know how to ride a motorcycle, and all of a sudden, overnight, you become an outlaw motorcycle, one percenter. Strange, but it was done. And the feud continued. Of course, the feud with the Hells Angels exists today. With the Mafia, there was an agreement, and the agreement was to the satisfaction of the Mexican Mafia when the money was paid, the 10000 that they wanted. As 
at the same time, there was accords that were created between both groups. The numbers of the Mongols started to increase tremendously. That's why we said that currently they boast 1,000 to 2,000 members, somewhere in between there. That's a lot of people. As I said, Ruben uh, Cavallos was voted out bad. So was his brother, uh, Al, Al the Suit, they used to call him, Cavallos, and his son Ruben Jr. They were voted out bad too and not to be seen ever again by the Mongols. The Mongols' new leader now is little Dave Santillian, and he basically now is the face of the Mongols. They've done interviews. They're really going out to try to show to the community something different than what the government is portraying them as. Now, I know you're probably listening to God. Is this guy this freaking naive that he actually believes that they're all outstanding citizens? Of course not. We know what they are. But the question is, can the government prove that beyond a reasonable doubt? That's the Constitution. So let's go into a little bit of the background now where we deal with the government and how they've prosecuted them. There was an operation uh, called Operation Black Rain by the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms where their agents infiltrated the Mongols. They ended up getting over 70 indictments. It was a huge takedown. And, of course, Doc Cavallo was in the middle of all that. And, uh, as always, in, in these pleas, you know, uh, you're facing 40 years, but the government says if you plea, you can do four months. Next thing you know, they're chirping like birds. And it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing for the Mongols. But the government then, they didn't want to just rest with these convictions. They wanted to go after the club and after the logo. Now, in 1978, the the government tried to charge the Hell's Angels with RICO, the Racketeering and Corruption and Influence Act, with their patch and their logo as well. And But they didn't go after the logo. But what they did is they said they were trying to say that the Hell's Angels were a criminal organization. Well, the Hell's Angels were very smart. And this is 1978, folks. They turned around and they said, Oh, you're absolutely right. We are a group. We are formed in 1948. We are a group of one percenters. They explained all the outlaw mentality and everything else. But then they say, but we have guys that have average jobs and they don't deal in criminal enterprise. Some, some break the law, some don't. So back in 1978, you could convict the whole group. But now the government's changed their tactic. They've come at the Mongols and they say, no, 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 you're all painted the same color. And we're going to, with one stroke of a brush, we're going to basically say, this is who you guys are. Strange and perplexing, they proceeded. Over 10 years, they've tried to get the logo or the patch or the colors of the Mongols. Well, they have this court case, and as I told you, they were found 
guilty on various charges of conspiracy to distribute, conspiracy to murder, murder. All these things were thrown in there. But now they're basking everybody, all, all the apples and oranges in one basket, and they're saying, you're all a bunch of crooks. They got their conviction, the judge, therefore basically gave them thumbs up to start seizing jackets. And pretty much that's what the cops started doing. I gave my little analogy in the beginning of this episode about the bowling club. So you start to wonder, how can this be? Let me give you an example, another example. There are groups called the Bloods and the Crips. The Bloods wear red bandanas and the Crips wear blue bandanas. So if the government were to feel like charging the Blood or the Crips as a criminal enterprise, anybody associated with them would be immediately placed as a thug. And since they don't have colors or jackets like a motorcycle club, they would outlaw all of their bandanas, red or blue. So here comes an honest citizen with a red bandana wiping his forehead. The cops could come and say, hey, you belong to the Bloods. You're not allowed to have that bandana. Let me go through your pockets and see what you got on you. Strange. But it goes even further, folks. Some members of the Mongols and other motorcycle groups have never been arrested, believe it or not. They had no criminal record at all. So what they do is they double pack, and that means they carry guns. They have concealed weapon permits. But in lieu of carrying one, they carry two, one for them and one for their buddy that has felonies. In case they go down, their buddy's going to grab that gun and shoot it out. Now, obviously, they, they don't put that on the application for the concealed weapons, but they're law-abiding citizens. While in areas of Texas, they're pulling them over and seizing their guns, and I've got a concealed weapon, we don't care, you're part of a criminal enterprise, and they're taking them. This is disturbing, folks. Again, it's not defense of the group who's good and who's bad. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the constitutionality going out the window because they're trying to seize the moment. Now, it's strange to me how the government picks on this group, and they've never picked on any of the other groups. Like, they attempted with the Hells Angels. They failed miserably. But there are other uh, motorcycle groups that are a lot larger. You have the big four, and, of course, that's the Hells Angels, the Outlaws, the Pagans, and the Banditos. But they, they chose the Mongols. Why was the government so fearful about the Mongols that they all of a sudden wanted to throw the Constitution out the window? Strange, but obviously it happened. So we, we discussed about their little skirmishes with the law. One of the things that Doc Cavallos did also was he started giving out patches like uh, awards to members. And some of these, you know, might have said that you did a specific act, maybe not criminal. 
And uh, so they gave you a, a patch. If you were at the McGoc- McLaughlin incident in uh, Harris Casino, you got a little uh, patch for that. But uh, there's the skull and crossbones, and that's part of their own bylaws that says that you've committed a grave uh, offense against somebody as in the result of great bodily harm or death to protect the organization. So these are some stupid things that when running a criminal enterprise, people should not do. Okay? Imagine the mafia handing out merit badges. They wouldn't last very long. So the current argument from the attorneys of the Mongols today is they are a law-abiding group as motorcyclists. They subscribe to the 1% outlaw mentality, which does not necessarily mean that you are against the government or you're breaking any laws. It just means they want to be left alone. That's basically what it means. And as a result, their attorneys are saying that the government is unlawfully accusing all members. So, as I said, 1,000 or 2,000 members, somewhere in the middle is that number. All of them are bad. Now, it would be mind-boggling that some of the members, not only in this group but in other groups, MCs, one percenters, are doctors and lawyers. So that in itself is mind-boggling. But they subscribe to the outlaw lifestyle. They like it. They, I don't know. Maybe they, since they were a kid, that's what they wanted to do. I don't. I can't tell you why they do it. There are law enforcement agencies, and we discussed that in a past episode that I did, MCIC, and I'll post that to the show notes. That was on the L Police Radio. We did that, and we, I talked about all these law enforcement clubs riding like one percenters with jackets on and saying, well, no, we, we, we're, we're cool. We are defend the constitution. We appall the law because we're law enforcement officers. And why are you resembling a one percenter? I said it then. I say it today, a little, a little strange and mind boggling also. And a lot of agencies, how they lend a blind eye and a deaf ear to their officers that are, in associated with that one percenter mentality. Just recently, the Philadelphia Police Department, we're going to have a episode on that, and it's going to be entitled Facebook. I'm watching. And basically what that is uh, are these cop hate groups. They're identifying cop profiles, Facebook pages, and they watch everything they post. And when they post something that's bigotry or hateful, they screenshot it. They put it in categories of who these people are. They find out that they're, in this case, Philadelphia police officers. And they filed a complaint with the chief. Over 40 police officers are being investigated now and possibly getting suspended about some of the comments that they placed on Facebook. Well, wait a minute. i got a First Amendment right to post what I want. Far-reaching, disturbing, 
why is this happening? Now, I know that law enforcement organizations have policies on Facebooking or, or your Facebook public comments. When I was active, I remember taking a course on that. It was like one hour. We we're going to let you know the agency wanted to boo you up and scare you. But I immediately thought of what the remedy is to that problem. It's simple. All you got to do is change your name from your legal name to, you know, Three Eyes Louie. You know, who, who do I have to, why do I have to identify myself? I don't. And the government would have to prove, and in this case the police department, that that's me and that I'm posting that. But all of a sudden, the law is it's starting to become one-sided. Now, I know there's a lot of you out there, the Trump haters. That's because Trump's president. Now, some of the shenanigans have been going on for over 10 years, folks. The Mongols have been getting their logos stolen from them by the government for over 10 years. This didn't start last year, folks. But it's scary. The old adage is, when they came for this person, I said nothing. When they came for that person, I said nothing. When they came for those people, I said nothing. And when they came for me, nobody spoke up. There's some things that you have to do in knowing your rights and how they're executed. I'm a firm believer in law enforcement as I wore the uniform for 27 years. I fly the law enforcement flag proudly in my home, outside my home. There's no doubt about my loyalty to that specific group. But some of these officers are being led like sheep to slaughter by the chiefs of police. But my, my friends, that's another show that I will gladly give you in the future about how these hack police chiefs are starting to bend a little little here, a little there to soften up police officers. So let's get back to the Mongols. So currently there was a federal judge by the name of Judge Carter that he turned around he told the Mongols, uh, the government on the Mongols logo, Stop right there. You cannot take their logo. That's a far reach of the First Amendment right of freedom of speech. That logo represents their speech, and I'm not going to have it. So, of course, the government appealed it, took it to the Ninth Circus, or Circuit, but they call it the Circus. And basically, the Ninth Circus said, well, the judge is partly correct, but he let the round off too early. He should have waited because there's going to be three hearings from Justice Department lawyers that are going to seize Mongol property, monies, and logo in these criminal proceedings. And when they get to the part of the logo, then the Mongols' attorneys can argue First Amendment. So in other words, 
It's a process. So now nobody knows. Everybody's sitting back and watching this in amazement, eating popcorn, basically saying, if they get done, we all get done. So our freedom depends about currently from a bunch of one percenters, motorcycle crew. Our freedom depends on them. If they lose, ultimately, we all lose. Society lose. How can you say such a thing? They've been indicted as a criminal enterprise. I can't say it enough. Get your head out of you know where, folks. It's about bending the Constitution too far. Too far left. Too far to whatever side you want to say. You can't far reach the Constitution. Here's my perspective on all this. So if the Mongols currently have between one and 2,000 members, can the United States government say beyond a reasonable doubt that each one of those members are criminals? The answer is no. So therefore, how can you convict the entire group? Because their bylaws said something? Far reach here. This one's a far reach here. I'm a firm believer if you're going to play the game, you got to play by the rules. Because if you play out of the rules, then you can get hurt. And you can hurt a lot of people. This is Alpha Mike, and it has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cup Podcast. Of course, as always, I urge you to continue to pray for yourself because we need you in the fight. Pray for your family. Pray for your community. Pray for the law enforcement or agency that serves you. And most importantly, folks, pray for the great United States of America. This is Alpha Mike signing out. And guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home.
Show me a light with the heart. 4323 to 1322. 